Our sermon text for this Sunday comes from Peter's first epistle, chapter 5. We read in Jesus' name. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. About eight years ago, my family took a vacation to the Frio River down in Texas. And if you go to the Frio River, you've got to go tubing. And my mom was extra prepared for this tubing expedition. She packed an igloo cooler filled to the brim with snacks, drinks, and she even brought plastic baggies to put our phones in and then put those phones in the cooler so they wouldn't get wet. Then that cooler had its own tube. And off we went down the Frio River. It was a fun time. I ended up getting a bit ahead of my mom and dad. Um, and as I was tubing, enjoying the sun, enjoying the water, my mom is out of her tube and trying to catch up to me. And it turned out she had hit a rock or a bump or something in the river, and the cooler popped open for a split second, and one thing fell out of it, and that one thing was my phone. So she asked me to come back there and look around in the river for this cell phone. After about 15 minutes of looking and finding absolutely nothing, we were about to give up. And this one older lady was out of her tube and she needed help getting back into her tube and I was close by. So I held the tube for her and as I was standing there, I looked down at my feet and there was my phone in his plastic bag, completely unharmed. In that situation, my mom had experienced a lot of anxiety for feeling like she had failed me and had lost my phone forever. Now, in retrospect, the situation's a little silly because it's just a cell phone and it really doesn't matter all that much. But in the time, we were freaking out. And Peter, the author of our epistle today, he knows a thing or two about anxiety. He was one of the three closest disciples to Jesus, who was privileged enough to even see Jesus at the Transfiguration and to witness most of his ministry. But Jesus, when Jesus was present, or when Jesus' time came to an end on this earth, we see Peter's anxiety come out. 
At first, he was the confident spokesperson for all the disciples. And then, when he lost control and couldn't stop Jesus from dying, he was the one who denied him three times. He fled so far from the mighty hand of God that he wept bitterly because of his denying Jesus. He was not in control of the situation like he wanted to be. His self-reliance drove him to weep bitterly, and he was brought to his knees in humility because of his worry for the kingdom of this world, for the here and the now. But Peter was lifted up and made to trust in the resurrection of Jesus. And yet, things didn't get all hunky-dory for Peter after that. He was made a missionary, and he spread the gospel of the Savior. But because of that gospel message, he was heavily persecuted, arrested multiple times, and he even ended up being murdered for his faith. Peter was very familiar with anxious situations, with worry, with helplessness. And he was made to find a solution not in himself, but in his Savior. What causes you to feel helpless or to worry? Is it the, the constant pressure of the world? Is it the demands of this life? Is it not knowing what will come tomorrow? What, around, what this world around us is coming to? There are lots of situations in this life that can cause us to feel helpless, out of control, and worried. Whatever anxiety you have, the devil seeks to prey on those anxieties. Our enemy, the devil, will use any kind of suffering to try and get us to join him in eternal suffering. By tormenting us with our anxiety, he wants to get us to blame God for our suffering and to deny that God cares for us. And if we think about it, it makes perfectly good sense that the devil, who has already captured all the unbelievers, would especially target you, the believer. He patiently bides his time as you suffer on this world through all its hardships. Like a lion waiting to pounce, he waits for you to rely on yourself rather than God and to blame God and to deny God, just like Peter did, so he can take you from God. But we know that this suffering is going to happen. Peter says, after you have suffered a little while. I would guess that a lot of us are in the midst of anxious worries and suffering, but does this mean that we've failed to cast our anxieties on God? Does this mean that we failed to trust in God? I think so often verse 7 of our text gets misused as a command, as if Peter is saying, Thou shalt not have anxiety. And if you do, then you're not a Christian. But that's not 
what Peter is saying. Anxiety isn't a, a sign of weak faith. Peter, in fact, assumes we will have anxiety by the fact that he mentions to cast it on God. But rather, this verse, casting all your anxieties on God because he cares for you, is describing the humility. We are commanded to humble ourselves because God cares for us. And this humility is casting anxiety on God. So what makes anxiety a problem is rather how it is handled. If we pull a Peter and flee from God, then we've handled it poorly. But if we pull a Peter and we humble ourselves before God, then we see God's eternal care. And we see God's care perfectly in his son, Jesus Christ. In the same way that we suffer in this world, our Lord suffered too. He went through your anxiety in the Garden of Gethsemane as he awaited the punishment which awaited you. In agony, he prayed for another way out, but he willingly went along with the Father's will. He humbled himself to the Father's will because he knew this was the way God would save you. Although Jesus had no error or sin, he took all of your sins, all of your guilt, all of your shame. He willingly took that and died with that on the cross. All of the guilt and shame from every misdeed, from the smallest lie to the most wicked murder, Jesus took and claimed as his own. All of your sins are forgiven because of Jesus. Whether we feel forgiven or not, God's forgiveness for you is 100% certain because Jesus really died with your sins and he really rose triumphantly over death. We know that God cares for us. Our anxiety about the punishment which had awaited us, our uncertainty about our salvation is completely crushed through the work of Jesus Christ. Because God cares for you, he sent his son whose work resulted in your eternal good. And Peter says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Jesus came into the world for your eternal good. Our salvation has been secured for us, and we know this because Jesus rose from the dead, because he conquered death. This means that we have been called to eternal glory. The joys of heaven are beyond what could be described by words. But we get a glimpse in Peter's words. Restored, confirmed, strengthened, established. By these words, we know heaven won't be a place where we are pained with anxiety, but we will be established and confirmed on a good foundation in Christ. We know that 
our relationship with God and our relationship with our fellow believers will be perfect. It will be restored and strengthened with the result of peace forever in heaven. Heaven's eternal glory may seem far off. And heaven doesn't change the fact that we still suffer in this world. And that's not fun. However, I'd like to look at suffering from a different angle. Instead of seeing in it hopeless pains, see in it our hope. Be reminded that our Lord suffered these same pains as well. And our brothers and sisters suffer these same pains also. We aren't alone. The devil wants us to feel that way so that we rely only on ourselves. But we aren't alone. We are made to be in a relationship with other people and especially with our God, whom we are completely dependent on for all things. When we feel alone, it can be tough to pull ourselves out of that state. But that's why God has given us fellowship with believers. It's why he has given us his word and his church and partaking in the sacraments. Through these means, the Holy Spirit is able to work in us to restore us, to confirm, strengthen, and establish us in our faith. The goal being heavenly joy forever. Is this going to make all anxiety go away? Probably not. But anxiety and feelings of helplessness keep us dependent on our God. We realize our failures, our inadequacy, our helplessness, so that we are made to trust in the perfect Savior who has taken away all of our sin and who has given us new life through faith in him. Because God cares for you so much now and forever, we can be confident that we have a place with him in eternal glory in heaven. And yet, when these feelings of anxiety and guilt overcome, we have a place to turn to God's powerful and active word. As Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. When you meet someone whose soul is suffering or when you yourself are experiencing suffering, know that your Savior experienced the same suffering and that your brothers and sisters around you are experiencing the same suffering as well. You're not alone. God is here for you, the God whom you are completely dependent on. Look to him for help in these troubling times, now and forever, because he cares for you now and forever. Amen. Please rise. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.